Amen. It is great to be with you again tonight. It's been about a year or so since I've been able to um, speak here at Big House. And um, one of the things that I love is when they let me out of Nazareth. Lutherans are a little uptight. See what I mean? And when it comes to worship, Lutherans are a little quiet. They don't say a lot when I'm preaching. And so this is my chance to get a little bit of a different flavor going. So I'm going to need your help tonight. If, I pick, if, if you're picking up something I'm laying down, it's appropriate to go, well, I want you to try that, okay? Well, do it with a little more flair. Well, okay, that's very good. Now, if there's a little more assent and agreement, if you're a little more like, yeah, that's right, you say, amen. Yeah. Amen, very good. And if it's really over the top awesome, then it's hallelujah. You can even get up out of your chair and you go, hallelujah. Nobody? Seriously? Okay, give it time, give it time. So let's practice. So if you're picking up what I'm laying down, well, if it's something you agree with, amen. If it's something awesome, hallelujah. See, you guys maybe a little up, Lutherans? Some? Yeah, okay, we got it. What I want you to do right now is not only bring your own Bible, but open your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to take a look at John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. John chapter 6, verse 25. You can see how far back it is here. It's almost to the end of your Bible in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Acts. So it's kind of the Luke-Acts meat. So it's the meat between the sandwiches of Luke and Acts. Okay? So John chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 25, and hopefully I can read the small print. I'm getting old. Beginning verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you are the loaves, or, or you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, well, what signs then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of our Lord, and to that we should always say, thanks be to God. Well, it's good to be with you again tonight. And first off, before I even get going, um, for those of you, how many of you had a chance to be over at NAS um, Friday night and hear those incredible testimonies at 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock from a lot of the seniors that are here in the room? Okay, let's give them a round of applause again. 
You know, one of the first, and for some people, the only Gospels that they ever read are the ones that they see in you. And I can say very powerfully, those 14 students spoke incredibly from the heart and um, really made quite an impact and influence on the whole Cedar Valley the other night. So I want to thank them again. And welcome again to you ninth graders. Now, this may not be true for you. (laughs) Maybe, I hope it's not, but I think it's a universal human condition. I am somebody who is given to binging. Yeah, I'm a binger. It's not with alcohol. It's not with illicit drugs. It's not with weed. It's not with shopping. I have another problem. It's another addiction. I like to eat. These cheeks did not come naturally, folks. I've worked hard to get them. I like to eat. In fact, sometimes I eat myself sick. Yeah. My problem is I binge on junk food all the time. I'm often given to late-night feeding frenzies. I'll raid the freezer for ice cream. Yeah. I'll raid the cupboard for cookies and snacks. I've even been known to drive the high V at 2 a.m. in the morning so that I can get candy bars. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Now, these binges are always the result of some sort of craving, some sort of hunger, some sort of thirst for something more. Something more than what I already have. They usually hit me after I've already had a full meal. So they're more about something that I want than they are about something that I actually need to eat. Generally, they begin with blank stares, into the open refrigerator, and I'm just trying to figure out what it is that I think I want. Because remember, it's not about what I need, it's about what I want. And and I'll, I'll sample a number of things, I'll think I found that thing that I'm craving for, and I'll proceed to eat myself sick. And I mean, I'm one of these people, I can get, I can get a thing of Oreos, I mean a whole pack of like double stuffed Oreos, and if I've got a big tall cold glass of milk, it is dunk, eat, dunk, Eat, dunk, eat, dunk, eat. Whoa. Where did they all go? And then about 15 minutes later, it's like, oh my gosh, what did I do? At any rate, you've been there. You've done that. I proceed to eat myself sick to fill whatever this emptiness is inside that I feel. When I was, um, when I was in... in um, High school, I loved to have cookie dough blizzards. You guys like cookie dough blizzards? I love cookie dough blizzards. But they were expensive. And I couldn't go to Dairy Queen every day and buy a cookie dough blizzard. So I happened to hear about one of these life hacks one time on Oprah. Not that I watched Oprah regularly. I just want to be very clear on that. But I did hear about a thing. And they were talking about ways that you can kind of make your own stuff, like how you can make your own Twinkies, how you can make your own um, blizzards. And I found out that all you needed to do to make your own blizzard was to get a half gallon of ice cream, you got some of those Toll House cookies that come in the yellow roll or whatever that's in the freezer section. And then you got a bunch of Hershey's chocolate syrup. You just stuck it in a blender, and voila, you got yourself some cookie dough blizzard. I did that exactly as I was instructed, and in one sitting, I ate the entire thing. I was so sick. I am not kidding you. For three solid years, if anybody even mentioned a cookie dough blizzard, I was like, eh. No, I can't. I'm, this is like 30 years removed, and I'm just now able to eat cookie dough blizzards again. 
But that's not all. One last story. When I was in seminary, I was, I was taking classes. My wife was working full-time to keep me in the lifestyle to which I had become a company, you know, accustomed. And, and I'm, sitting, I'm sitting at home studying one day, and she walks in from work. But what, what, had, what had been going on is, like, for the, for the weeks leading up to Christmas, it was our first Christmas together as a married couple, she had been baking all these nice cookies that we were going to share with the family, and she'd been freezing them in the freezer. And I knew that she was doing that, and so what I would do is every now and then I'd just kind of sneak into the freezer, and I'd open up the Tupperware and pull out a couple cookies, and that's how it was going down. And I didn't think she'd notice. But one day I opened up the little container, and they were like almost all gone. There was only like 13 left. So I took them all. And I figured, and I, and I figured, you know, she's not going to know. There's like multiple containers, and she really counting all of them. If I take the entire container, that'll be less obvious than if I had a few left in one container. You see what my thinking was on this? So, yeah, so exactly. So I'm sitting there with my plate of cookies, watching, not Oprah, on the TV. And, and I'm sitting there, you know, dunk, eat, dunk, eat. And she comes home early. And I'm sitting there on the couch, and, and before she gets into where the living room is, I mean, the door opens, I hear it open, and I'm like, oh, crap. And I, and I grab a pillow, and I cover my, pillow, cover my lap with a pillow, and so I just plop it right on top of the cookies. And she comes in, and she goes, oh, are you, you're not studying? I said, no, I'm just taking a break, just taking a break and everything. And so, so she walks by, and she, she gives me a little peck on the cheek, peck, you know, her kiss back, and, and she starts to walk toward the kitchen. I think, I've, I, I think I'm safe, but then I remember I didn't put away the Tupperware. It's you know, the, the wide open empty containers sitting there right in the kitchen. And I know that as soon as she gets there, I'm in trouble. And as, as this is processing through my mind, all of a sudden she goes, Brian King. That's exactly how she said it. And I knew what was going to happen next is that I was going to get in serious trouble and she was going to make me give back any cookies that were left. So before she made it back to me on the couch, I licked every single one of the remaining cookies so that there was no way she could put them back. I had to eat them at that point. I need help. I need help. Jen was ready to kill me. There is a reason why gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins. You see, in our efforts to fill the voids that we have in our lives, when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're just feeling empty inside, we often binge to excess. We binge to excess on things that have no lasting value. Pick your poison. It's different for every person. For some of you, it's stuff. A new iPhone, iPhone or a new iPad. Um, maybe it's the latest Jordans or the, the best Adidas you can find or the Birkenstocks or the Uggs of your choice. Maybe for some of you, it's video games. You spend every free moment you get playing Minecraft or Grand Theft Auto or Call of Duty or Mario. For some of you, it's all about the accomplishments. Okay? For some of you, it's all about the accomplishments. You, you, you get excited and you, you find yourself worth in things that give you applause. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's winning that scholarship. Maybe it's um, spending every spare moment you can um, in the gym or in the pool or on the mat or on the track. Maybe for you, you're working your butt off to get straight A's so you can impress your teachers. You know, for some of you, it's pleasure. That's what you binge on. You're looking for an emotional high, an escape through alcohol or a little weed or through some casual hookup at a party. Yeah. 
For others, you binge on relationships. Um, it's about your bae. If you're on Tinder, it's, it's Mr. or Miss Right, and, and somehow, some way, you're just a swipe away from finding the person who's going to make your life happy as they wrap you in their arms, your soulmate. But with all of these things, let me be clear, with all of these things, these less than best gods, instead of fulfillment and contentment, we're usually left with regret, right? Buyer's remorse, appetites that are never quite satisfied. We're full, we're bloated, but we're still empty inside. And that's where God steps in. I hope you hear that. You see, even when we are tempted to eat and to smoke and to drug and to drink and to date and to work ourselves to death, God offers us life. Do not work for the food that perishes, Jesus said, but for the food that endures for eternal life. The food that endures for eternal life is, of course, Jesus himself. Isn't that what we read at the very end of that reading from John 6? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's what he tells the crowd. He's not talking about perishable bread. He's not talking about King's Hawaiian bread or that white chopped stuff you get from Hy-Vee. He's not talking about any of that stuff. He's talking about food that lasts. This isn't something we earn. It's not something we deserve or strive for. This is a gift from Almighty God. When the crowd asked Jesus, what must we do to perform the works of God? They're earnest. They want to know. They, they, they want to replicate what they just saw Jesus do. A miracle. Amazing stuff. You're never going to run out of that kind of miraculous bread that fed 5,000 people and more. What must we do? This is his response. He says, in effect, you can't perform the work of God. You can't do it. You can only be transformed by the work of God. God performs the work of God, not you, not me. You are to believe it, to receive it, and then to live it out. Take, for example, the crowds that are described in John chapter 6 that we read this evening. Who had been fed by Jesus on the mountainside and who now followed him all the way to Capernaum? They're hooked. They saw this wonderful miracle of God. They want more. They, they, they want the next miracle. They want the next thing. They're not even sure what they're looking for at this moment. They just know that around Jesus, awesome things happen. So they're just following to see what the next awesome thing will be. Well, they want to deepen their encounter with God. They seem hungry for the blessings of God but as if they believe they can somehow create and supply for themselves the depth of life and meaning that they seek. They try to get Jesus to tell them, how do you replicate your miracles so that we can feed ourselves? It's what it always comes back to as human beings. We want to do it. 
We want to make it about us. And we don't want to be dependent on anything outside of ourselves. When we as human beings have the means with which to satisfy our own desires, we tend toward excess rather than moderation. Look at celebrities today. I mean, look at the Justin Bieber's of the world or the Lindsay Lohan's of the world or the Johnny Manziel's of the world. These are people who, who at least at some point in their lives appeared to have everything and in some cases still do have everything and yet do they seem, do they strike you as the most satisfied, content, happy people you've ever seen? Can I at least get a well? Well, all right, that's right. No. No. Jesus wants to share with us the blessings of God's spiritual riches. But we focus on a little earthly wealth, a little temporary satisfaction, and what ends up happening is that we miss the real riches that God came to give us in Jesus Christ. Now, I think you know this already, but if you feel something is missing in your life, and I think some of you probably do, whether you're a senior, a junior, a sophomore, a ninth grader, it really doesn't matter. I think all of us have a sense that there's things that are missing in our lives. I think you all kind of already know you can't make your own life more palatable by eating a half gallon of ice cream in the middle of the night or dunking a dozen Oreos in one sitting. You can't add value to your life by losing a ton of weight or gaining a bunch of muscle. You can't find the meaning of life at the bottom of a bottle of Jaeger or in a bag of weed or in the arms of some hot guy or some hot girl. These things actually numb us. They're a temporary fix. They're a momentary relief for a very much deeper problem and longing. And I would say to you tonight, if you have ears to hear, if you are hungry for life, if you're thirsty for real meaning and purpose, if you crave love that lasts, peace that abides, hope that endures, then no amount of earthly things will ever satisfy what you're craving. Jesus tells us in the parable of a pearl of great price in Matthew chapter 13. I'm not going to have you look it up. He basically tells this, this wonderful little image about this guy who, who, upon finding this pearl of great price, he, he sells everything he has so that he can have this one thing of greatest value. In other words, once you've discovered the riches of the kingdom of God, what the gospel promises what Jesus came to give you. There is nothing that you have, there's nothing that you can do which is of greater value. To try to fill your life with anything less is to live and to die forever hungry, forever thirsty, never satisfied, and never whole. It's kind of like the chasing the proverbial carrot on the end of a stick. You're always reaching for it, you're always striving for it, but you never get it. You get just close enough to think you can, but you never actually get your hands on it. Lasting hope is always more precious than fleeting happiness. 
And there's at least some of you here tonight who are picking up what I'm laying down. Jesus knew this in his own life. For when he was confronted by Satan's temptations in the wilderness, he reminded Satan, and as we read the story, he reminds us again, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In our reading tonight, Jesus reminds us yet again to not labor in vain for the elusive happiness of earthly things. Do not work for the food that perishes, says Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. That's John chapter 10, 10. And that's worth repeating. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Life that satisfies, life that lasts, life that endures and is worth everything. I suspect that many of us have fallen victim to and continue to fall victim to the lie that we can find meaning and purpose and satisfaction for our lives through chasing after the things of this world. I've done it, and in my weak moments, I continue to do it. And so, at least for many of you here in this room, you watch your parents labor for the bigger house with a newer car or the better vacation, while many of you labor for the best grades or extracurricular success so you can get a bigger scholarship and go to a better school. It's not that any of these things in and of themselves are bad, are wrong, are unworthy of some effort or time or attention, but to the extent that we do these things to earn the approval of others, to feel good about ourselves, to justify our existence, well, it should come as no surprise that we end each new day wondering why we're still so empty, why we're still so unfulfilled, why we're still staring at the refrigerator of life, blinking and wondering, what is it that I really need? What is it that I really want after all? If this is you, and I suspect it is true for many people here tonight, then I would end by saying to you, choose instead to devote yourself and your labor to the things of God, to his word, to his word, his will, his plan for your life. Live your life rooted in Jesus Christ. Specifically, start to read your Bibles more. What a gift when the world tells you all these other things. When, when the world tells you that love is, is, a, is an innocuous, um, anonymous hookup with somebody, and that's what love is, what, what a blessing to be able to know in your heart and your mind that love is 
something very different. Love is patient and kind. It is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. And so on. Do you know Scripture in a way that allows you to thwart the temptations of the devil like Jesus did? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Start to devote less time to pleasing yourself and more time to helping and caring for others as an extension of God's purpose and plan for you. And pray for God's help. Pray for God's guidance in it all. You know, there's not a, there's not a weight that I lift there's not a, a, a rep that I do that I don't actually say a prayer before it. I'm capable of lifting a lot of the weight myself, but, but I like to remind myself that in the end, everything I am, everything that I have, everything I ever hope to be is God's gift to me. My strength, my intellect, my capacity to love and care for anybody else, that doesn't come from me. It comes from God. Folks, you don't need to end another day feeling hungry for food that doesn't last. In Christ, you are already loved. You are already forgiven. Your life already has meaning and purpose. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. instead of struggling after the things of this life that never last, as it says in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who put their trust in him. Will you join me in a word of prayer as the band comes up? Oh, Father God, thank you so much just for the opportunity to be reminded once again that um, those blinking stares in front of refrigerators or in front of all the things that tempt us, all the things that challenge us, all the things that lead us away from you are really a dead end that lead us nowhere but to more hunger, to more thirst, to more longing. Lord, we want the bread that you alone can give, that bread of life, that is found in you. And so, Lord, I just pray that beginning here, beginning now, in these moments and in the hours and days to come, that you would just help us um, to more and more strive after the things, not of this world, but of your kingdom, recognizing that in you we're already loved, we're already forgiven, we're already free, we're already family, and that's really all that matters. And so resting in that, Lord, help us to take hold of the bread of life from heaven that will truly satisfy. Amen.